Now, I'll never forget, I was at a church service, and Grace, at this time we were kind of thinking about going from the mission field. This is a long time ago, at least 10 plus years. And we visited a church that was a little bit um, free in their worship, a little bit freer than we were accustomed to. It was charismatic. And um, so we were there, and, and, the, and the songs, boy, y'all would have been shocked. Y'all, Anybody ever been in a charismatic praise service? I used to leave. You know how many songs they sing? You don't stop. But, I mean, how many? Oh. Three or four. Do you know how long they sing them? Yeah, about an hour. <laughs> an hour. So can you imagine singing three or four songs for an hour? So, but what was most interesting about this service was that during... The worship time, the, the worship leader kind of hijacked the service. You ever seen that happen? She just got kind of excited, felt moved by God. And she ended up taking about 45 minutes. Of, she basically just preached. And uh, I'll never forget the subject of, of that message that she gave. That was before uh, the man came up to preach. And he had to do some damage control. Because she was talking about the story of Jacob when he was grabbing a hold of God and saying, don't let go until you bless me. So she took that to mean that the word from the word from her was that we needed to hold on to God and not let go until he blesses us. And so she began calling people out in the service and saying, Brother Bill, Brother John, you know, Sister, Sister Louise, don't you dare let go. Don't you dare let go of God until he blesses you. And so I was a little bit confused. You know, I, the message to me was that I'm supposed to be really, really bold and demand things of God and not give up until he gives me what I'm asking for. So that, that gave me a little, that was a little bit of a confusing message, but I'll never forget it. Now, I bet you that, like me, you also have some questions about prayer. Anybody understand prayer? What is prayer? Anybody have some questions about that? What, what, what is prayer? You know, what is does it have to be out loud? Anybody like anybody not like to pray out loud? To be honest, probably don't raise your hand because you're shy. But you don't like to pray out loud, right? Does it have to be out loud? Do I have to close my eyes, right, when I pray? Does it count if I don't close my eyes? Now, what what if I forget to say in Jesus' name at the end? Does that mean that everything I prayed doesn't work? It doesn't mean. What is this this thing called prayer? And what exactly is the impact of prayer, right? Does it change my circumstances? Does it change God? Or does it just change me? What? God never changes. Okay. When I pray, does it change things? Does it change God or does it just change me? changes you. And there's a lot of things that we think about prayer. There's a lot of teachings about prayer. So I thought probably the best place to go to understand what is prayer, and what exactly does it do, is to go to a familiar passage where Jesus teaches us how to pray. And it's in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. And through this passage, we're going to see that not only does prayer get God's attention, that's encouraging, right? We're not just talking to the air. We're not just talking to ourselves. It actually does get God's attention, but it also does something else. God uses prayer to shape us. God uses prayer to put us under his protection. In other words, when we pray, it opens a way. When we pray, when we take time, when we speak to God, when we call out to him, when we cry out to him, it opens a way for him to influence. 
us and to influence our lives. So it's well worth the effort. But let's start with what Jesus says prayer is not. Beginning in verse 5, what prayer is not. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. There were religious people at the time, and they, and they knew what prayer was. Prayer was an opportunity. It was an opportunity for them to be seen. It was an opportunity for them to be heard. It was an opportunity for them to be recognized as spiritual. And if you've ever encountered a situation where somebody's praying and you get that uncomfortable feeling that they're praying not just for God, but they want you to hear who they are. You want, they want you to hear how they pray. Then it's like this. But Jesus says, truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So if their motivation is to be heard and to be recognized and to earn praise from others, then they've received their full reward. But this is what Jesus says. He says, when you pray, and this will be encouraging to the people who don't like to pray out loud, right? He says, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your Father who is an unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And also, he says, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. I mean, there were people in that day, it's like, if I could figure out the right way, the right posture, the right time of day, the right combination of words, the right formula, then I can guarantee that God's going to do what I want. And there are some of us today, there are people today who still believe that. If I can get it just right, if I pray it the right number of times, then I'm going to get the result that I'm looking for. <coughs> Jesus says, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So then what is the point of prayer, right? I mean, God already knows. God's already aware of what you need before you even ask Him. So what is the purpose so Jesus has explained what prayer does not do. It's not for earning praise. It's not for twisting God's arm. So what does prayer do? Well, here's five things this morning that I believe that prayer does for us. Number one, prayer puts God on the throne. Prayer puts God on the throne. Verse 9 says this, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is like separate holy, honored, above all, hallowed be your name. You know, the truth is, and I hope none of you have watched this, and if you have, I'm not going to ask you to do this. But we have a game of thrones that we play daily in our own lives, don't we? We have a game of thrones that we play daily in our own lives. It's kind of like King of the Hill. Now, I don't know much about that show, but my impression is that's what it is. It's just King of the Hill. you got all these people angling and posturing to see who's going to be in charge. And they're willing to do whatever it takes to get in a position of power and stay there. But in our lives, it's, it's our concerns. It's our desires. And whichever one makes the strongest case, it wins our attention to it. And it, it competes with God to be on the throne. But I know what you'll say, because I say the same thing. I know, Dave, I know. Pastor, I know. I know, I know that God is on the throne, right? Anybody disagree with that? God is on the throne. We know that. But what am I going to do about paying my bills? I mean, I know that God is on the throne, but what am I going to do about paying my bills? I know that God is on the throne, but what am I going to do about finding a job? I know that God is on the throne, but what am I going to do about treating my illness? I mean, I've, had, I've got some problems. I know that God is on the throne, but what am I going to do about managing my pain? 
What am I going to do about healing broken relationships in my life? I mean, I know that God is on the throne. And before we know it, we're spending all of our time worrying rather than praying. I know that you struggle with this because I certainly do. I mean, I know I need to pray. And I know that God is on the throne. But all of a sudden, I'm spending all of my time worrying rather than praying. And you know what worry is? You know what it is? It's a distraction. But it's also an invitation. It's an invitation to let our concerns control us. You ever been controlled by your concerns? Controlled by your fears? Controlled by your upset? It really stinks, doesn't it? It's like you can't get your mind off of it. Maybe that's where you're at today. I know that I have some things that I'm concerned about in my own life. And when I worry, it's inviting my concerns to control me. But when you and I pray, verse 9, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your name above all. Your name is the priority. You are on the throne in my life. It's inviting God to show his strength and defeat the competition. You know, those, those concerns that are competing for that throne, that are place in your heart and your mind. And he defeats them with ease. Career, finances, health, retirement, enjoyment, sports, Family conflict can be replaced and put in their place, right? They can be replaced and put in their place when our Heavenly Father takes His place. When He takes His place on the throne in our lives. And as we've talked about before, when we lift up God, when you and I choose to lift Him up, He's going to lift us up. Remember that? Philippians 2. When we choose to lift up God, He's going to lift us up. Jesus says it like this. He says, He who exalts Himself. I'm the priority, will be humble, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. So it is in our best interest to put God on the throne in our lives. And when we pray, verse 9, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, it puts God on the throne. It puts him in his proper place in our lives. Second thing that prayer does is it makes his will our priority. It makes his will our priority. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, God, on earth as it is in heaven. I can remember a sermon in college by Louis Giglio. Anybody heard of him? He runs Passion City Church. I used to go up to North Point Community Church on Tuesday nights for a singles Bible study called 722. And he was talking about, you know, students so often are asking this question. You ever done this? What is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? And I spend a lot of time thinking about that. But he said there's a better question. He says, what is God's will? You know, I'm so concerned with what is God's will for my life. And when I do that, I get in this passive position. It's like I'm waiting on God. God, if you'll show me the way, if you'll tell me what to do, I'll do it. But a better question is, what is God's will? Because all that time that I'm spending waiting and wondering what is God's will for my life, <coughs> wasted time. I could be doing God's will. You could be doing God's will. Gracie and I say this, when you don't know what to do, when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do, right? When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. In other words, stop being so concerned with, with what's God's specific will for my life and focus more on what is God's will. What are the, the low-hanging fruit, the things that we know God wants? To love our families, to honor Him, to tell the truth, to work hard. <coughs> To be faithful. What are those basic things 
What is God's will? And sadly, I don't know that God is as concerned with my specific life circumstances as I am. I want to know. I want to figure it all out. I want to know what am I going to do tomorrow. I want to know what am I going to do next week. What am I going to do next month. What am I going to do for the next five years. I want to know. What is your will for my life? But God's much less concerned with that. I think he's a lot more concerned with the kind of person that I become. And that's not as much fun, is it? I want to think about the big things. I want to, I want to think about all that money I'm going to make. I want to think about that vacation I'm going to take. You know, I want to think about the future. But God wants me to be rooted in the present and be concerned not about my will, but his will. I mean, if my chief concern is his kingdom, and what is that kingdom? You know, what is a king? They're in charge, right? They have influence. They have authority. So God's rule, his reign, his way, his influence. If my chief concern is his kingdom, how might things change in his world? I mean, if someone is primarily concerned with the kingdom or the rule of God, then are they going to be looking for help? Or are they going to be looking to help? It's a difference, right? If you're concerned about God's kingdom, you're going to be looking for help? Help, 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 help. Or are you going to be looking to help? And that's a big shift if God's will is our focus. And if we need some additional motivation, I mean... The funny thing is, is that if everyone is looking to help, I mean, think about it. If everyone's saying, how can I help? How can I help? How can I help? Then they're not going to be looking for help, right? It's going to be there. If everybody's looking to help, then nobody's going to have to go looking for help. And that's how God wants to shape us. And if you need a little bit more motivation, think, look at the end of this verse. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as... It is in heaven. So, if his will is done on earth, what will earth be like? Heaven. Right? If, if, if we do his will, if his will is done on earth, it will be like heaven. What would that be like? Huh? Earth being like heaven. A world full of people. Neighbors co-workers, family members, a world full of people who love God, a world full of people who love their neighbor. So when we engage in prayer, we pray, verse 10, your kingdom come, your will, not my will, be done on earth as it is in heaven, then there's hope. And this is why prayer is the starting point for any meaningful change, right? We've got a lot of people who want to change the world. Talk to millennials, they want to change the world. There's a funny song out, the guy wants to change the world, but he has no job and he has a man done. It's just kind of funny, you know. But they want to change the world. But individualistic man will always bring his own agenda, right, when it comes to affecting social change. It's like, I want to change things, but I'm always going to end up bringing my own agenda with me. I have my own little slant that I'm trying to see happen, that I'm trying to accomplish. But if our focus is on the will and the kingdom of the one who is on the throne, then there's hope for change. There's hope for lasting change. But only if God is on the throne and only if his will is our priority. Number three, prayer adjusts our appetites. Matthew 6, 11 says, give us today our daily bread. You know, I love Golden Corral. Who likes Golden Corral? Yeah. Amen. Can I get an amen? Yeah. 
got that food, got those steaks. But the best part is what, Caleb? How many times can you go up there to the, to the buffet? As many times as your stomach can hold. As many times as your stomach can hold. And you've <laughs> tested that, haven't you? Yes, and my hollow leg and my hollow uh, Hollow leg and hollow arm. Um, Gracie had an Uncle Jerry, and every time he was going to go to Golden Crown, he'd, he'd make a joke that he was going to put on his elastic pants, his expandable pants, you know, that is the ate because they could expand, expand, expand. But what would happen if you and I ate there every day? It'd be bad, wouldn't it? <laughs> Those pants would keep expanding, okay? Now, for many of us, it's easy for our appetites to get out of control with it. There's things that we want, there's things that we crave that get out of control. To the point that enough... When you ask, what, what's enough? You know, Dennis, what, how much is enough? Jamie, how much is enough? Eva, how much is enough? Well, to be honest, I think it's a little bit more than what I now have. That's enough. And it stays that way, right? And maybe for some of us, it's like, you know, enough is a lot bit more than what I got. But we're never going to be satisfied as long as our appetites are out of control. And that's why it's important to pray this prayer. Give us our daily bread. When we pray this, it does two things. Firstly, we acknowledge where our daily bread comes from, right? Sometimes we get mistaken, men, right? My daily bread comes from me. It comes from my efforts, my hard work, my determination. No. Your daily bread and my daily bread comes from God, and this prayer acknowledges that. But it also does something else equally important. We allow God to define what is enough, right? We say, God, give us our daily bread. And then at the end of the day, we have to be willing to accept, I guess this is what I needed. I guess this was enough. I mean, if I've acknowledged that it comes from you, if I've cried out to you to provide for me, then whatever you provided is enough. So it's important for us to pray this sentence. I mean, if we would acknowledge that all of our good gifts come from God and allow Him to determine when we have enough, it might help us to disease, cure the disease of more. Anybody afflicted with that? Need a little bit more. How much do you need? A little bit more. How much do you need? A little bit more. A little bit more money. A little bit more food. A little bit more time. A little bit more vacation. Can I get an amen, Lee? Who's been on vacation? I mean, you need a little bit more vacation, don't you? Give me another week, huh? I love that statement that you always see. It's, it's on Facebook quite a lot where the, where the, the lady says, you know, I'm, I've been bad, you know, and you need to send me to the beach until my, day, my attitude improves. <laughs> And um, so sometimes we just feel like we need a little bit more, right? So how much do you need? Need a little bit more. But when we pray this prayer, we're allowing God to give us the antidote to this disease of needing more, just a little bit more. One of our favorite movies is the original, the original, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Who all seen that? Who all seen it? Do what? It's your favorite. Oh, you don't like it? I love it. Well, there's a character in there named Augustus Gloop. Augustus Gloop. I probably did that wrong. But he's this little German boy. And uh, he w gets one of the golden tickets. He's going to get to go to Willy Wonka's factory. And when they do the interview, he's at a restaurant. You know, because he, he's a portly little guy and he loves to eat. And uh, they ask him this question. They said, how do you feel now that you've won the golden ticket and you get to go to Willy Wonka's factory? He said, I feel hungry. <laughs> and then he keeps eating. And then they, they put the microphone in front of his father. His father eats the microphone top. <laughs> like off of an, the top of an ice cream cone. So for those of us, you know, if we are willing to pray this portion, it helps us from becoming controlled. I mean, he was, he was controlled by his appetite to the point that when he got into the factory, he couldn't stop himself, fell into the chocolate river, and got into trouble. But prayer, you know, it puts God on the throne, 
It makes his will our priority. It adjusts our appetites so that we recognize that God is the giver of all good gifts, and he gets to decide when it's enough. And that's tough, and that's why we, it's important to engage in prayer, in this specific prayer. Verse 12 says this, because number four, prayer challenges us to extend what we receive. It challenges us to extend what we receive. He says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And I'll get that right in a minute. We've tried a couple more times. One of the most shocking stories in the New Testament is found in Matthew 18. And you'll know immediately which one it is when I mention it. There is a servant who's forgiven a large sum of money. Scripture says it's so much money that he could never pay it back in his entire life. And then the master forgives the debt. Incredibly forgives the debt. But then that same servant, this is a parable, it's just a story. It didn't necessarily happen, but Jesus is making a point. He says that same servant goes out to another servant who owes him a little bit of money. A few hundred dollars, maybe. A couple thousand dollars. Certainly not a lifetime that's going to need to be, not going to need a lifetime to repay the debt. And the guy refuses to forgive him. And it's shocking and it's upsetting. And Jesus is making clear that the standard for his followers is to extend what they receive. And we receive it in abundance, don't we? Forgiveness. Because the truth is, is that you're not just forgiven once. You and I are still forgiven, right? We're still forgiven every day, every week. Everyone still needs that forgiveness. And Jesus is just saying, you know what? Because the you know there was a time when Jesus was having a conversation with the apostles, and he said, Peter said, how many times should I forgive my neighbor? And Jesus said, he said seven times. I mean, that, that's a pretty good number, Jesus. Seven times, seven times that good, you know? Eight times, nine times maybe? Jesus says, no, 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 70 times seven. In other words, unlimited. Every time. And then they, Jesus, or Peter says, increase our faith. Lord, increase our faith. How can we do this? We need to pray that. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. So when we pray this section of the Lord's Prayer, it's our pledge, you know, to extend the same forgiveness that we expect to receive because of the blood of Jesus. Because do you, do you deserve forgiveness? Do I deserve forgiveness? No, absolutely not. But Jesus challenges us to extend what we receive. And so prayer shapes us to do just that. Lastly, prayer positions us under God's protection. So we've talked about a lot of things that prayer does in us, right? Puts God on the throne, makes his will our priority, it adjusts our appetite so it helps shape us. Shapes us by challenging us to extend forgiveness. But then it also puts us under God's protection. Verse 13, lead us not into temptation. We know whose fault that is, right? Temptation. Is that God's fault? Say no. no. It's my fault, right? It's your fault. But deliver us from the evil. You know, we are not responsible for the choices of our children. Thank God, right? Are you responsible for the choices of your children? Yes, um, no. Maybe, maybe past a certain age. They're responsible for their choices. But you and I, we can help position them for success when we're invited, right? I mean, there comes a point when you offer advice to your kids and it's sooner than you'd like and they say, no thanks. They say, I don't have to listen to you. You're not my boss, right? You ever heard that? But they do that when they're two. 
But when they're 20, it's not funny anymore, right? They say, you're not my boss. But if they've let us help, we can position them for success. It's similar with God. You know, God's waiting for us to invite him into the picture. He's waiting. He sees things that we don't see. He knows things that we don't know. He's just waiting for you. He's waiting for me to invite him in. Just give him a chance. He knows things. He understands things that we don't. He sees the bigger picture. So when you and I pray this portion of the Lord's Prayer, we're inviting God in to our story. Dr. Charles Stanley says it like this. He says, God takes full responsibility. God takes full responsibility for the life wholly devoted to him. So when we pray this portion of the Lord's Prayer, we're inviting God to place us under the umbrella of his protection. It's like an umbrella. We tell this to our kids. If you stay under the umbrella, you're safe. But when you go out from under the umbrella, you're going to get, you're going to get wet. Because mom and dad know things. Sorry, Caleb. Mom and dad understand things that you don't. And if you stay under the umbrella of our protection, you're not going to get hurt. But if you step out from under that, you're on your own. So God's inviting us to be under his protection. In the movie A Few Good Men, Jack Nicholson makes the powerful statement which is reflective of military life. He says, in my unit, men follow orders or people, anybody seen this? Men follow orders or people die, right? What's he saying? He's saying that if you respect the authority and understanding of your leader, you're much more likely to make it home alive in combat. Your superior officer sees things and knows things that you don't. You're just not privy to. And in the same way, God is highly qualified to protect us. And as Isaiah 55, God declares, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Well, I love that. I mean, I know that my thoughts kind of get messed up sometimes. I get confused. You ever had that happen? You just don't know what to do next. But God's thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. So we would do well to willingly place ourselves under his powerful protection. Lead us not into temptation, Lord, but deliver us from the evil. Bottom line today is that prayer invites God. Prayer invites God. You want to know what prayer does? Prayer invites God to shape us, right? It invites God to protect us. When we traveled down to Orlando in June, I could feel a shudder in the steering wheel while we were driving. You ever felt that? Just the alignment's not right. But I figured it's going to be okay. It's just a trip. We go on the trip. We come all the way back. And then I, you know, we take it. We, we look at the tire. I actually took it for an oil change. And Randy Stovall said, you know, your tire, it's, it's, it's bald. Like, not like no hair, but like no tread. Like all the way down to the quick. So there we were riding back from Orlando going 75 on 75. Maybe 80. Not going to be. It depends on who was driving. Maybe, maybe going 75 on 75 with a bald tire. I mean, any moment it could have blown out. We could have been in a whole lot of trouble. But that's what it's like when we neglect to pray as Jesus recommended, right? When we keep our hands firmly on the wheel and we neglect to invite God to shape us and to protect us, this is what happens. We invite our concerns to control us. That's no fun, is it? But it happens. We invite our concerns to control us. Oh, to make us so upset, so concerned, so distracted. Our will is our priority. Right? 
I love God. He's on the throne. But I'm focused on me. I'm focused on my problems. And so I'm looking for help. Right? Help me. Help me. Help me. God, help. Somebody help. We're not looking to help. Our appetites threaten to overthrow us. Right? It's like we're in Golden Corral all the time. Got to get one more piece of steak. Got to get one more, one more but really delicious butter roll. Right? Our appetites control us. We're reluctant to extend what we receive. You know, it's like, God, I'm so thankful for your forgiveness. I'm so thankful for your forgiveness, but I'm not going to forgive them. I'm not going to forgive him. I'm not going to forgive her. What, are you kidding? You know what they did to me? And then we make ourselves vulnerable to the enemy because we don't, we don't stand the umbrella of God's protection. But when we do pray this prayer, God does something much better for us. When we take the time just to pray this simple prayer from our heart on a regular basis. And God is on the throne, right? And the storms come, and the problems come, but God's on the throne. We can rest. God's on the throne, and we can be at peace. His will is our priority. We've got our priorities right, don't we? It's His will. We want to do His will. We're concerned about His kingdom, His influence, because what we're doing is we're praying. We're crying out to God to make earth like it is in heaven. We need that, don't we? We want to see that kind of world, that kind of society, that kind of community. It adjusts our appetites, keeps us humble and dependent, recognizing that God's the giver of all good gifts and that He gets to decide what's enough. We extend what we receive in forgiveness and we're under his protection. So what I want you to do this week in closing, I've got three chores, homework assignments for you. Phrase it positively if you like. But number one is I want you to pray this prayer daily. The Lord's Prayer. Pray it daily, out loud, this week. It doesn't have to be in front of a bunch of people, but do it. Pray it daily, out loud for a week. And I'll do the same thing. Number two, I want you to pray this prayer daily out loud with your family this week. Just pick one meal, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, probably dinner. Pray it out loud with your family this week. Let it wash over you. Let God shape you with this prayer. Let God come in and place you under his protection. Through this prayer, you're inviting him. And then lastly, I'd like you to discuss with a spiritual friend. Which of these five verses is difficult for you to pray in this season? We've all got one, at least one, but we're struggling. It's hard to pray this prayer, isn't it? It's hard to put God on the throne. It's hard to make his will our priority. It's hard when our appetites threaten to control us. And it's hard sometimes to forgive. And sometimes we're just afraid that we're not safe and we're afraid that God can't protect us. So my prayer is that God would use this prayer to both shape you and protect you in this season of your life. Pray with me. God, thank you for today and for this uh, section of Scripture that we can refer to and uh, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. We're so thankful for it. And we do, God, we want you to, we want you to shape us. We, we don't want to be the shapers of ourselves because, God, when we, when we uh, are in control, when it's our will that's the priority, we mess things up. We make a mess of things, God. We make a mess of our own lives. But we want to cry out to you, God, to shape us. And we want to cry out to you, God, to protect us. Protect us from things we don't even see coming. 
I mean, you know things that we don't know. You understand things that we don't understand, God. So we're crying out to you. We depend on you, God, to shape us.